Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on June 21st, 2021 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features a look at the $10.7 billion budget that state lawmakers passed with a focus on education. The budget now heads to the governor's desk, and we look at some of the details. We also talk with one Senate Republican about the troubles at the Department of Juvenile Justice and what needs to be done. We hear part one of South Carolina Public Radio's Scott Morgan's series on nursing and the pandemic. Plus, we learn about getting vaccinated while pregnant. Also, since we have a bit more of a health focus this episode, we cut out the business section to accommodate our regrets. Now, one thing we didn't cut out is the wind down section. That's right, folks. It's always there for you. We're here for you. But you need to be here for us. And in order to do that, you need to call us at 803-563-7169. Help feed our hopper. Help other leaders know what's going on with you and how you've been doing during these more certain times. So you can do that by leaving us a voicemail at 803-563-7169. It's your leaderly duty. It's time to give back. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is moderate, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 9,801 total deaths. And currently, there are 595,585 total cases being reported in all 46 counties as of June 21st at 4 p.m. Our percent positive is 1.2%. Currently, 142 people are hospitalized with COVID-19. 35 patients are in intensive care, and 19 are on ventilators. Our current seven-day moving average is 148, and we've seen cases decline for 10 consecutive weeks, with 1,036 cases being reported for the week ending June 19th. And our deaths have declined for the fifth week in a row as well, which is eight being reported last week. And currently 1.7 million, or 40.6% of eligible South Carolinians are fully vaccinated. State House and Senate lawmakers returned to Columbia on Monday to pass the $10.7 billion budget onto the governor's desk ahead of the new fiscal year that starts July 1st. Now, you heard us talk about this before, so not much has changed here, but just a bit of a recap. The budget includes a 2.5% pay raise for state employees, which equals about $60 million. Teachers will receive a $1,000 pay raise, and $200 million is going for improvements to the Port of Charleston. Now, some more other items, a lot of numbers coming at you. $500 million for colleges, universities, and tech schools for maintenance and repairs. $100 million to help poor school districts with new construction. More than $100 million for new instructional materials. And also included in this budget, $100 million to help poor school districts with new construction. This budget also expanded per-pupil funding to its highest rate ever and put more than $34 million to expand full-day pre-K. And there will be funding to put a school resource officer and nurse in every school, among other priorities. So big investments there in education, thanks again in part to some extra $2 billion in predominantly one-time dollars. And if you thought the money train was going to stop anytime soon, oh, you got another thing coming. That's right, state economists are already calling for at least a $600 million surplus that lawmakers will have to budget with next year. And we'll soon see what the governor vetoes in the budget, and lawmakers will return next Tuesday to determine which vetoes they'll override or sustain. Keeping with state news, I spoke with Lexington Republican Senator Katrina Sheely about issues and problems facing the Department of Juvenile Justice, which has seen its director, Freddie Pugh, under fire for not improving conditions over the past four years. Incredibly low employee morale, 
low and stagnant wages, as well as extremely long hours, coupled with cumbersome time reporting issues. But I started our interview with Sheely, who was chairing a subcommittee on DJJ involving a recent Legislative Audit Council report highlighting the agency's problems, by asking her just what the hell is happening over there. Well, it's always going to be an agency that has issues because the type of situations that you deal with. You know, you have children that are in trouble, you have families that are struggling. So it's not ever going to be an easy agency. But the agency has been at the top of its game. And now it's, you know, it's at the bottom of its game right now. And um, there are children that are in danger. There are employees that are in danger. And it's it's gone so far downhill now from where it was in, say, 2011 to where it is now 10 years later. We're at 2021, and we have seen the worst decline in how it could be. Because, um, well, I want to, let's say 2003, even back when Judge Byer started, and, you know, he was there for nine years maybe, and the agency was thriving. And like I said, it's always going to be a difficult agency because you're dealing with juveniles that are, you know, in trouble. You have mental health issues. You have, juveniles that have, you know, you have them from the really, really bad juveniles. And back then there were probably 300 juveniles just at Broad River Road. And now they're like 70 or 80. So he had a lot of children, but he kept them busy. I always say we kept them busy because I was a volunteer at the Department of Juvenile Justice back then. That was way before I was a senator. And, uh, but they kept the children busy. They had um, a lot of you know, extra activities farm. They had the welding program. They had, um, you know, the upholstery program. They had woodworking. They had things that kept them really busy during the day. And then they had outside activities. At one time, they even had a farm out there. You know, that was, that's been a long time ago. But they had things that kept the children busy. And now they don't have those things. So what do you do if you're a child and you sit around in a room all day and you don't get those outside activities or you don't have something to do. You get bored and you sit around and think up things to do mm-hmm. so, and you just get in trouble. So is this a and crisis? So now that's what's happened. Is this a crisis at this point, in your opinion? Yes. I think I think it's actually passed a crisis because, you know, we said just a couple of weeks ago when the employees walked out and, you know, everybody thinks that I knew that was going to happen. I did not know that was going to happen when I got that call on Friday morning. I mean, and it was early Friday morning. My phone started ringing and people were telling me it was going to happen or it had already happened. They said it's already happened. And then somebody from the director's office called me and whispered, I think there's going to be a walkout. Well, I said, I'm sorry to tell you, but there's already been a walkout Mm because they already called me. But um, and you went out there and you heard those complaints from those employees. I got out there. I think they walked out at about seven. Mm -hmm. But I got out there about nine thirty or so. And, you know, the people were already out. I, you know, I didn't know they were coming out. And um, some of them had worked, though, for 24 hours straight. And then somebody had come in during that period and picked up their time cards. And that's what they were really concerned about. You know, they're going to make it look like we started a new day when we didn't really start a new day. And, you know, some of them had been working 24, 36 hours straight. And they had just, you know, they're worried about their pay. They're worried about all these things that, you know, they're tired. They worry about the kids. These people that work out there, I'm sorry, you got to have a heart for children to work out there. And they have to take 
the punishment from the children because they don't do anything when the children act up now. You used to, there was consequences. If you hit a guard or you spit on a guard or you threw urine at a guard, you got extra time added to your sentence. Now, what they do is they bring you cookies or pizza to try and calm you down. And it's kind of like you get rewarded. Mm. And they know that. So they've kind of taken over. There is much more to that interview, including what Sheely thinks should happen to leadership out at DJJ. You can catch that full episode on youtube.com slash South Carolina ETV. And this is definitely something we'll be keeping an eye on for you. And on our way out, just a little national look for you. It looks like we won't see that police reform bill come out of Senate negotiations being led by Senator Tim Scott by the end of the month timeframe that Scott previously described as June or bust for the bill which seeks a slate of reforms, the most complicated of which deals with qualified immunity, which shields police officers from civil suits. Last week, Scott said the negotiations may take a little bit longer. We know the pandemic has been incredibly difficult on medical professionals, including layoffs, long hours, difficult conditions, and harrowing moments, especially for those doctors, nurses, and staffers on the front lines during the worst of it last summer and this past winter. South Carolina Public Radio's Scott Morgan produced a four-part series on nursing and how the pandemic has shaped the profession. Here's part one. For Peyton Corhorn, work last year went something like this. I went into work like calling my mom crying before like every shift because I was so stressed out and then like seeing these COVID patients just like not get better, that was like really, really terrible. Corhorn is an ICU nurse in Columbia, a new ICU nurse in Columbia. Her first days on the job were in April of 2020. And what she saw, the death, the desperation, the scale, it put her in therapy and it put her in a lot of company. Being a COVID nurse has broken me in ways I did not even know were possible. This past April, nursing professor Valerie Peterson read anecdotes like this one at a health symposium hosted by Bob Jones University. I still have nightmares about patients who died. I still grieve for people I never knew until I held their hands, prayed for them, and sat with them while they died. It was, is, completely devastating. So common were stories of emergency nurses drowning in the weight of it all that everyone from industry advocates to healthcare reporters started asking a very real and very troubling question. Was nursing doomed? Well, how about we listen to the second half of what Peyton Corhorn was saying a few seconds ago? That was like really, really terrible. But I feel like now, I feel like I have like a more positive outlook on my patients. Like I have a lot more hope, I guess. With the worst of the pandemic in the rearview mirror, ICU nurses finally are getting a moment to breathe. And it turns out that breath is not nursing's last gasp. Quite, in fact, the opposite. I love being a nurse. Me too. I like working in healthcare. Amanda Hennage is Corhorn's friend and a fellow ICU nurse. She transferred to ICU after a few years in a different nursing capacity and also started her new gig right around April of last year. And as bad as it got for her, she ain't going anywhere. I think it would be way harder to go to a business job, like a desk job. I could never do it. I literally don't think I could do it. I like being able to run around and talk to people and definitely would do it again. Obviously, I'd prefer there to not be a global pandemic. Hennage has taken to journaling to help process the worst of the past year. She's also a big proponent of nursing being her job, not her whole life. 
She says the pandemic exposed that too many healthcare workers wrap their identities entirely in what they do for a living and therefore lose the ability to separate a bad day from a bad life. Your life and your identity exists so in so many other avenues besides your job. So if you allow that to be your only avenue, it is going to make it hard to cope. Mm-hmm. I'm all about whatever your self-care looks like that's healthy. <laughs> Do it. For both these nurses, the pandemic was rich in offering perspective. For Hennage and Corhorn, there's a profound new sense of purpose and a deep new awareness of how resilient emergency nurses are. For others, well, they didn't so much collapse under the pressure as realize maybe it was just time for other things. It definitely brought a lot of people who were already like halfway out the door. It was just like, you know what, this is like it for me. Like I don't want to finish my career like with this experience, I guess. Like we had nurses who were supposed to retire like in 2022 and they retired early. But like no shame to those nurses. Like they just met their end and that was fine and they did what's best for them. There's definitely like no shame in switching areas of nursing. Healthcare is a large spectrum and it's important no matter where you're a nurse, whether it's like intensive care and life or death, emergency room, life or death, rehab, all those things are extremely important. Hennage says a lot of nurses are navigating a profession that has had to restructure how it works. Tomorrow on South Carolina Public Radio, we'll hear more from Amanda Hennage and Peyton Corhorn about systemic changes they hope will come from the pandemic and from an administrator who spent the past year pondering those exact issues. Great insight right there, and we will continue to bring you these stories over the next several episodes. You can also find them on SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. Now let's switch gears to Bobby Connor with Health Focus to hear a recent interview she did with Dr. Scott Sullivan about the COVID-19 vaccinations during pregnancy. Dr. Sullivan is a professor of maternal fetal medicine, and he's the vice chair of the Department of OBGYN at MUSC. We are encouraging our pregnant patients to consider getting the vaccine because they are at increased risk from COVID-19 during pregnancy, and the vaccine helps protect them. And there's also evidence that there is a passage of antibodies during pregnancy and during breastfeeding to help protect their newborn as well. What is known about the safety of the COVID-19 vaccine during pregnancy? It does appear to be safe. While pregnant patients were not included in the original studies, they have been following pregnant women. And now there's, in fact, a large-scale randomized trial with pregnant women that's ongoing. Are you getting questions from some of your patients who are worried or concerned? Is that an issue that you really have to talk about with some of your pregnant patients as far as the COVID-19 vaccine? Anything that's relatively new, people have concerns about. What's the safety? What could it do to me or the baby? And I think that's a very normal, healthy concern. And we just try to explain what data we have and, and the risks of not getting vaccinated as well. So it's important that we address people's concerns and give them the information. Once the baby is born and if the mother has received the COVID-19 vaccine, might she pass along antibodies from that vaccine to the breastfeeding baby? Yes, we actually have good information on this from recent studies that if the vaccine is given in the second or third trimester, it appears that the antibodies pass from the mother to the fetus, which would be a protective 
And additionally, the antibodies are present in the breast milk so that that protection would continue on if the mother is breastfeeding. Follow-up studies are now ongoing to see how long that lasts. Of course, most women will breastfeed for three, six, or 12 months. So the hope is that protection would be ongoing. You work with high-risk pregnancies. Are you recommending that your patients get the COVID-19 vaccine? I definitely think that having a conversation with your provider is very important. I personally have been encouraging my patients to get the vaccine. I consider that the benefit outweighs the risk. So while I have a conversation, each patient is different about their history and their risks and their concerns. But yes, I've been encouraging my patients to get it. What about other vaccines that are important for pregnant people to know about? It's a great reminder that uh, we recommend that All pregnant women get an annual flu vaccine and to have a pertussis vaccine to protect themselves and the newborn. So everything dealing with COVID and pregnancy has been something everyone who is expecting or planning to have a child over the past 18 months have certainly been thinking about. I remember my sister-in-law giving birth March 17th, 2020, right when things were getting ramped up and it was incredibly nerve-wracking, but luckily everything was fine. But if you have a story about your pregnancy during COVID or getting vaccinated while pregnant, give us a shout. I know we've heard from several new parents before, but I know every journey is different. So share yours with us at 803-563-7169. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic and want to hear your stories as well. Tell us how you're handling things, what's going on this summer. It's summer now. It's official. Happy solstice. Uh, Also, maybe tell us, like I was mentioning in our medical section, give us a call if you've had a pregnancy during the COVID pandemic or if you're recently pregnant. We want to know how you're dealing with this because, of course, a lot of moving parts here, difficult times. High stress situation. High stress situation. Yes, definitely. So uh, let us know how you're coping. Let us know what else is going on in your world. 803-563-7169. Uh, that being said, I am told that we have a voicemail AT from a new a new visitor to our state. Uh, I th- uh, yeah, I think they've no maybe no, this is okay. their first time. No, uh, no, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. great job, AT. Anyway, uh, anyway we messed that up. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm told we have a voicemail from someone. <laughs> <laughs> we have a voicemail. Uh, let's let's listen to it. Uh, I'm just glad that they're they they did do they do good by call. Okay, here we go. Hi, my name is Chloe, and I am currently driving on I-20 to Columbia, South Carolina, where my husband and I um, just bought a house and we are moving there permanently, so we're really excited. It's actually the last day of school for me. I'm a high school teacher and it feels really good to be out for summer. We have a couple of trips planned. Um, We're going to South Dakota. We're also going to Phoenix, Arizona. So it's gonna be a really fun summer. Last summer, my husband and I got married During the pandemic in July, um, we had three honeymoons canceled. It was crazy. Um, We cut our um, wedding down to family only. So we're really excited to kind of catch up with our friends, catch up with our family, go on a couple of trips, and just really relax from a stressful year. I really enjoy the show. I'm happy to be a Columbia native now. Um, I hope I'll see you all around. Tell me some restaurants. Tell me some cool places to go, and I'd love to meet sometime. Thanks so much. Have a good summer. Bye. Chloe, welcome to Columbia. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the neighborhood. Welcome around. Congrats on making it through what I know was a difficult year, like you said. 
uh, especially with the you know the pandemic wedding too, and then yeah. school. Oh my gosh! Well, I'm glad that they're getting some time this summer to go go tour around and go see some folks. That sounds like a lot of fun. You're going to two very disparate places. Yes. I mean, you're going to go to, to cool temperature South Dakota, and then. Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> it's uh, a dry heat. It's, it's a dry heat. It's a testament to man's hubris, <laughs> if anything. Yeah, let us know how many times people say it's a dry heat when you're out there, too. Yeah. Because that's all they ever say about Arizona. It's like the reverse of Charleston, you know? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I could probably do a dry. I mean, yeah, that's way better than a I mean, Charleston heat. I agree. I Whoa. think Charleston heat's the worst. But Whoa. anyway, Gavin, you, you're you quite a food aficionado this here. This is not true. We you, know that. You are the biggest foodie that know, I know. We know. Don't. don't Try and make me string myself out there like this. You tell us where she should go first. Where should she, she go? Should, where should she go first? Okay. Where well, should she go first? I, I think uh, to really, the, the, there are a few nice restaurants in Columbia, you know, so you should definitely check out Terra. Go on mm-hmm. Main Street. Main Street's pretty happening now. Gavin and I, we both like bourbon. Mm-hmm. We like Hendrix. Gavin obviously is a. Uh, Unofficial ambassador for Halls. Yes, Halls. <laughs> so if yeah. you guys want a sponsorship. If Gavin's in Greenville, he goes to Halls. If he's in Columbia, he goes to Halls. And if he's in Charleston, he goes to Halls. Oh, God, Russ is looking at me from the studio. The Russ McKinney staring at him. It's a dark studio right next to me, and I just see this white figure pop up. That was not scripted, folks. <laughs> I sp- speaking of, I saw Russ at Publix on Sunday. I told you, I'm always dressed up when I go to Publix for fear that I'm going to run into Russ and just look like a slob. Yeah. So uh, that's my motivation. I always tell you, you got to dress more like a slob to keep <laughs> expectations low. Well, when I do dress like a slob, people recognize me, which is horrifying. Yeah. It's happened before, even maybe, with my mask on. Maybe you sound like a slob. I don't know. But uh, that goes to your food choices anyway. So <laughs> I eat healthy food choices. I'm you, not a slob food. You eat slop. We all know that. <laughs> You eat out of a trough at home. Okay, we're not talking about me. We're talking about Chloe's recommendations. Uh, Chloe, I'll cook for you one of these days. Chloe. <laughs> experience my cooking. Chloe, I, lack thereof. I truly believe that Columbia is at its best when it's at its least fussy, though. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Uh, you got to go out. You got to look at... Uh, Drake's Duckin'. Drake's Duckin'. You got to look at... Your chicken place over here on... Uh, I like Bluff. Bernie's. Yeah. Bernie's chicken is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zesto's in West Columbia yeah. under the giant cone. You'll find That's us there. Great. And Max on Laurel, I think, has the best mm-hmm. burgers in town. But uh, yeah, uh, great selection of places. You yeah, know? I mean, obviously we're not Charleston, but we're not we're not you know we're, we're not trying to be Charleston. Yeah. you know, I, I I we're not putting on airs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> There's a lot of good spots. Um, <laughs> good spots. Great point. And of course, <laughs> great place to go drink. Craft and Draft. Oh, Craft and Draft. I mean, yeah, that's a shameless plug right there, baby. Well, you know, but if you want to, if you if you want to see some local, if you but honestly, local if you, celebrities, if you truly want to see me and Gavin, you you got to go to Craft and Draft because <laughs> we're gonna be there most. And time. Rockaways is a, a favorite of mine too. I know it's not the most glamorous establishment, but I love it. It's a great little spot, especially since it's just down the street. It's from great. Me. Yeah, and then yeah, you know, you got your bar none if you're going out. Barn one. Barn one. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm a sucker for Tin Roof. You know, Gavin it's my cross to bear, but that, I love that, it. It's a little halsey of you to like Tin Roof. I can't help but that I'm a sucker for 90s music, baby. Okay? <laughs> and a good and a good Bud Light. You know, yeah. There. You heard it. All right? You all happy? The mystique has been... The, here's behind the curtain, folks. Yeah. I'm a but, basic person. But then uh, one other place that I, I got a plug oh, yeah. that not enough people go to is out on Decker Boulevard. Mm-hmm. It's the International Corridor of Colombia. So much great international food out there. And Gavin and I, we love getting tacos and burritos at Tacos Now You Eat. Very I good. I mean, nothing better. So, yeah, a lot of options out there, a lot of fun things to do in Colombia. Welcome again, Chloe. And give us a call. Let us know what you've tried out, what you've, uh, you know, what you've seen. Maybe you'll run into us. Slide in the DMs. Yeah, we're always there. We're always there. We live in the DMs. <laughs> we're absolute DM monsters. But, I mean, Gavin just sits there watching them until someone slides in. 
It's it's, it's a lonely existence. It's so sad. <laughs> oh, it's so. Sad. Oh, him. He's pathetic. Uh, yes, that's that's my existence. But that's I got nothing else to talk about. You got nothing else to talk about? Can't think. Can't think of anything else to talk. Well, about. Well, I can tell you. I I have I have an update mm. on uh your my, back. my back. Your back, yes. Yeah, because um, <laughs> for all if you're under thirty, you can go ahead and fast forward this part. Uh, my wife surprised me with mm-hmm. one of those massage guns, mm-hmm. and boy howdy, let me tell you, those things hit the spot. They rub a knot out. <laughs> they hit the spot. <laughs> They they work. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, we didn't you heard buy- it here first, folks. <laughs> it, it's it, it's the air fryer. I was gonna say this is basically an air this fryer is situation. Close to air fryers. Oh, uh, uh, so we got the air fryer. We got the massage gun. Uh, like, <laughs> just checking all the boxes. What's I, next? Yeah, I needed it. My back's never felt like this, but it feels great now. Yeah. Uh, my Sixers they lost. That mm-hmm. was very sad. But I mean, if they can't if they can't win that series, they don't deserve to. They don't deserve anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolute terrible. Gotcha. So I'm wearing a Phillies jersey today. Not because it's it's where your favorite jersey to school, but it, it's it. That's it, the first thing I said to you. It when looks you like in my it. Office. It looks like it. But uh, I'm just turning a page emotionally. Oh, okay. Yeah, Gavin. Do you want, do you want to work through that some more? Or is that, is I that think about this it? is good. I I mean, uh, everyone call in. Gavin, hit him with the number. Eight zero three five six three seven one six. Everyone call in. Let them know. Let me know how bad you feel for me, and because <laughs> I feel bad, I truly do. <laughs> I'm told uh, one of our callers, Rebecca, our friend that works at the state. Yeah. She will be calling next, and she will only be saying. She'll only be addressing her call to you, and she'll only address my her last call to me. So, to <laughs> yeah, that was great. I love that. She didn't want to talk to me. No, but oh, that's okay. okay. Gavin, okay. say goodbye to the folks, okay? All right, folks. Well, goodbye. Uh, thanks for listening to the pod. We always appreciate you calling, especially, uh, you know, leaving us a voicemail, tell us what's going on, and you can do that at 803-563-7169. You can also, so, you can also show us your appreciation by leaving us a review on iTunes. That's when we know you're a real stan, so we appreciate that. You can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. He's a baby doctor. Brought to you by Garman Fund.